0: i was walking through the halls of a minnesota rink when along came a wild fan who started talking smack to me he said i bet you never like the blues until they won a cup so i calmly turned to him and said hey man listen up i admit it's pretty great to win lord stanley's prize but listen I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all I knew, man. That team from old St. Louis, man. Got a cup in here, 52, man. Give me a let's go blues. I know Arbor, Unger, Picker, Plager, Rabbit McDonald, Shock, Hall, Chris Moore, Patey, Harvey, Jimmy, Robert, Saberin, Baronson, Thompson, Eggers, Hess Roberto, Pierre Plant, Jacques Plot, Gosset, Merrick, Richard, Stevenson, Davidson, Saint, Marseille, McCreary, Lefley, Eccleson, Huck, Palace, Harry Talbot, Keenan, Sandy, Yassy. Yes sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreaks all I knew, man. That team from old Saint Lou Man. Got a cup near fifty-two, man. Gimme a let's go blues. And now, the starting lineup for your Blue Notes podcast, Tom
1: Franklin and the man called Wayne. Thank you, Tom Calhoun, and welcome to Blue Notes, located on the best city on the Mississippi, the best in the Midwest. We've got that Stanley Cup power, too sweet to be sour. And if you're still clueless, we're talking about St. Louis. This is your home for St. Louis Blues coverage on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am your halfway competent co-host, Tom Franklin, joined, as always, by my better half in this podcasting venture, The
2: Man Called Wags. How's it going, bud? Oh, it's going great. Uh, it just been another interesting week as we lead up to the start of the NHL season. And we thought we were going to be uh, trying to find things to talk about. Well, guess what? The NHL and the Blues did just enough for us to talk about today. <laughs> well, yeah, we were just going to have
1: our friends at the Quack Report on this uh, episode. And we still are, uh, just for kind of like a getting to know you kind of a... um you know, conversation about the Ducks and the you know the Pacific Division as a whole. And uh, we'll be joined by them here in a little bit. But Monday, uh, some things dropped, and uh, we need to talk about those things. Uh, first things first, if it's the St. Louis Blues and their AHL affiliate, it is never a dull moment. And once again, once again, the St. Louis Blues will not have their AHL affiliate to start the year. Again, they have lost their affiliate again, although it's just for this season, I think. Uh, the Springfield Thunderbirds joined Charlotte and Milwaukee in opting out this year for the AHL. And um, there was a letter that uh, the Thunderbirds put out that I thought was you know pretty heartfelt. And he made, they basically explained that they made a difficult decision to opt out of playing. Um, they've worked with the Blues, but there's health and safety concerns, travel logistics, new player supply rules, and other considerations. And um, one thing that made they made a big point about, in, and I'll just go ahead and read this paragraph verbatim: "Quote." Given the current status of COVID-19 in Massachusetts, it has also become clear that we will be unable to host fans, the lifeblood of our organization, at our games in the foreseeable future. As an independently owned franchise, our foremost obligation is to ensure that our team is financially viable for the long term, something that is not possible without game day revenue. We have always had a long-term vision to bring T-Birds hockey to our entire community, and we feel that this decision, although painful right now, Puts us in the best position to do so for many years to come. So really, I think it boiled down to, you know, Springfield is a franchise that um, I, I I don't want to say they've, they've been in financial trouble, but, you know, a big part of what they are is, you know, getting game day
2: attendance. And it just was not in the cards for them this year. No, it wasn't. And, you know, you talk about what the Blues had in San Antonio. Well, San Antonio had the fact that they were part of the Spurs organization, and the Spurs are an NBA team that brings in a lot of money, gives them a little bit more leeway and flexibility. And yes, now they're a part of the Vegas organization, independently owned there, so they may have some issues there. But that's what it comes down to. Is if, you don't, if you don't have that big benefactor at the top of the chain, you got to do what's right and what will allow you to continue long term. And and it makes a ton of sense. And the fact that they're not the only AHL team that's making this decision makes me feel a little bit better about sharing another team for our prospects because we've had that in the past with the Chicago Wolves and it's just been pretty bad to be honest. And now you're going to be sharing with the the, the Utica Comets uh, sharing with Vancouver that could be pretty interesting in a certain sense as well, yeah, uh, but it's not going to be the the blues as the only team that are that's going to have to experience this. so that that makes it a little bit more palatable so since the Blues left Peoria, they've had.
1: Um, interesting relations with the Chicago Wolves and they've had to do some player sharing there. And then for their last year in Chicago, they also shared players with San Antonio uh, because Chicago went to Vegas and then San Antonio was still with Colorado. So you had a weird split with the blues prospects, you know, like Sammy Blay and, Bennington were in Chicago for a while. And then you had like Clem Costin in San Antonio and some of the other younger guys. Um, And then you you get San Antonio all to yourself for like a season or two and then Vegas buys them. And so you're out of San Antonio now and you get, you get Springfield, a team that is an independently owned team that is all yours. That, I mean, that, I mean, that's, that this is, you know, your baby. You can help dictate who coaches, and it sounds like a great thing, and then COVID happens, and they're not going to have a season now in Springfield. So, I, I feel like someone in Peoria is a witch and put a curse on the Blues for dumping the Rivermen because the Blues had a long, stable relationship with the Peoria Rivermen, and now look at them. Doesn't it feel like we're cursed? A it bit? does.
2: It does. It feels like uh, our AHL team is the the Cubs of the AHL, cursed and uh, always trying to find traction and. Thankfully, and I'll I'll say this, thankfully through all of the turmoil that's gone down with the AHL, our players have still gotten good experience and have come up and produced. Now, it has affected the the likes of a guy like Clem Costin and of Jordan Cairo, where maybe they haven't gotten the playing time that they probably should have gotten to this point and that's affected their NHL careers. But I still think for what's gone down, they've progressed decently.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it's just I'm looking at the AHL 2020 21 divisional alignment right now, and the spring and Springfield along with those two other teams basically cuts the Atlantic in half. You have a three team division in the Atlantic: Bridgeport, Hartford, and Providence. Kind of surprised they didn't move a team or two from the north to kind of balance them out, but hey, you know that's 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 not my league. Um but uh, the Blues will be allowed to send players to Utica this year. They did come to an agreement with the Utica Commons, who are the current affiliates of the Vancouver Canucks. They are in the North Division, where there are seven teams. And uh, it'll be interesting. I'm kind of interested to see. like, see, Because Vancouver is in the All-Canadian Division, and Utica is in New York in the United States. How's that going to work? I mean, I guess, I guess Vancouver needs to really make sure their taxi squad is stocked up, because there's going to be issues if they need to pull someone from Utica to to, to play for the Canucks this year.
2: Yeah, it, it really is. And that, that actually kind of leads into my question about the taxi squad as well, because we talked about Joe Hofer, Joel Hofer being a guy that might be on the taxi squad. Well, now that you're sharing your prospects with an AHL team, does this make it more or less likely that Joel Hofer is that taxi squad goalie? Because if he's not getting the regular playing time at Utica, I would much rather see him play with the taxi squad.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm kind of the same way here, especially because uh, teams like, like say, Frank for Vancouver and Utica, for instance, you know, Vancouver is going to want their goalie to be, you know, starting more, more of the games in Utica. So you're kind of in a situation, I think you almost kind of, you know, halfway kind of prophesied Joe Hofer having a Jordan Bennington type of a trek. You know, Bennington had to go to Providence, you know, for just to get some game time in. Are you in a situation now where you have to do the same for Joel Hofer now? Um, or would you rather just, you know, mitigate the issue, have them train with the team all year and uh, just keep them on the taxi squad? I'm kind of leaning towards that instead of messing around uh, with the AHL this year. So that's, what's going on with the AHL, never a dull moment with the blues and their <laughs> affiliates. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, moving on now. So we've, we've covered that. We need to cover the other uh, big thing that came out on Monday. And that is the starting times for the St. Louis blues this season. And it's, Seems like the uh, N- uh, NHL officials heard our pleas and have, I feel this is a pretty fair breakdown. Uh, if you're watching this, uh, I have Jeremy Rutherford's tweet of the breakdown of star times, the Blues 28 road games in central time. You have 2 p.m., 3 p.m., 4 p.m., one apiece, two at 6 p.m., Four at 7 p.m., which is four more than I thought that the Blues would be getting, honestly. Um, but then you do have some late starts. You have an 8 p.m. Central Time start nine times. That's the most, which is still better than 9 p.m. for, for most of us. Uh, 8.30 p.m. to uh, two times, 9 p.m. five times, 9.30 p.m. three times, including the opener against Colorado. So. Um, I'm glad they put out the star times. I'm glad we know what they're going to be now. And I'm glad that they're for the most part, I feel pretty fair.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, 10 of the games after starting after eight o'clock, 10 of 56, I'm, I'm good with that. That's what 5.6% of the games are late games. And that's probably right in line with the amount of games that you would have at that time during a normal season with normal travel. So I feel like this is par for the course for what a blue season would look like. And and I'm down with it. And like you said in the past, you know, talking about these California teams, so many people working from home in California, it doesn't really matter what time these games start because they can have them on their TV at any point in time. And honestly, I've started to look at some uh, some homes in California because uh, mm. if I could be working from home and watching hockey all day, I I might, might want to do that.
1: I, I I was kind of looking at Vegas, you know, and, and you know maybe some areas around Vegas, you know, as possible work from home, you know, places. You know, you don't, you know, you, you if you have snow, it's an apocalypse in Vegas. I mean, that's that's how rare they get snow. I think it's like literally snowed one time in the city's history. Um, you get you know deserts, you get the casinos. Um, you're not too far from Utah where there's beautiful, you know, places to ski and hike and all that stuff. I almost took a job a couple years ago in St. George, Utah, beautiful area. Um, didn't quite work out though, but yeah, these start times, uh, I digress. Uh, I, I feel they're pretty fair. Um, we were going to have to bite the bullet at some point here with some of these start times, but, uh, um, all in all pretty fair. We'll talk to the, uh, quack report guys about that and see you know get kind of the anaheim point of view of you know maybe because i did notice a couple of the blues games in anaheim will be starting at five their time so i want to you know we'll, we'll talk a little about how that affects them you know because as you mentioned a lot of people uh working from home in anaheim so uh we'll see how that goes and then of course training camp is going and we're getting kind of our first look at uh, how the uh, Blues lines might shape up here. And let's go ahead and take a look at another uh, Rutherford tweet here. Um, In the second pairing, or the second line rather, uh, Robert Thomas is centering Jaden Schwartz on the left, and not Braden Shen, but Mike Hoffman on the right. So uh, Coach Berube throwing us a bit of a curveball here. We had assumed, uh, probably erroneously, that they were going to keep Schwartz and Shen together and O'Reilly and Perron together, just because those are your, that, that's just the way it's been. Um, but here, Baruby breaks up Schwartz and Shen so that Thomas is centering um, uh, Schwartz and Hoffman. And then on the first line, you have O'Reilly centering uh, David Perron and Braden Shen, which that sounds like a tasty line. Um, but what do you think about
2: pairing Robert Thomas with uh, Mike Hoffman? Very, very interesting because, you know, we've talked in the past about Hoffman's lack of defense uh, ability, and I figure pairing him with Ryan O'Reilly would bring out some defensive capabilities in him. But I tell you what, you get a guy like Robert Thomas that has the silky passes that he does and feeding him to Mike Hoffman in a myriad of positions and Hoffman able to score from those spots. That being your second line, that's pretty
1: damn salivating right there. It really is, and I think I feel this is Baruby trying to give Robert Thomas the best chance to succeed as he can by establishing a partnership with a just deadly sniper like Hoffman. And, of course, Jaden Schwartz, as we know, is kind of a Swiss Army knife of a forward. He can do a little bit of everything. He can score a little. He can pass a little. Um, So that's a a good pairing. And then on the other side, you have Shen moving along with O'Reilly and Perron. Now, we know what O'Reilly and Perron can do together, we know that Shen, there is a, I feel there's a 25 to 30 goal scorer lying in, Braden Shen. Get him next to a great playmaker, great playmakers like O'Reilly and Peron. That line could be deadly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and that gives you two deadly scoring lines. And, and we talked uh, earlier this week about Robert Thomas being at center, being a top six center, and the responsibility and the pressure that's now going to be on him being that center of of the second line. That's the one thing that does scare me a little bit about putting him with Hoffman and Schwartz. Now Schwartz is a a definitely a capable two-way defender, but now Robert Thomas is going to have to make up for what Mike Hoffman might not be able to do. And to put that on a 21 year old kid, that's a little scary for me, but he's got a maturity maturity that most 21 year olds don't have. And Coach Barube seems to be always pushing the right buttons, pulling the right strings. I don't think he'd be putting him in this position if he didn't feel like Robert Thomas could handle it or actually be able to produce in this instance. So it's a little scary to me, but I'm gonna put my faith and trust in Barube and and hope it and hope it works out this year. Yeah, we'll see how it
1: goes. Of course, by the time you listen to this, Ruby may have shuffled the lines up again, for all we know. So this could even be outdated by the time you listen to this. Uh, uh, We'll see about that at the rate that news is coming in. You know, it it definitely could be. Um, And then, of course, uh, for day one uh, of training camp, we were talking a little bit about Vince Dunn yesterday and kind of where he ends up. Um, He is, as I think we all predicted, on the third pairing, um, Krug and Pareko are the top pairing. Scandella and Falk are the second, and then you have Vince Dunn paired up with uh, Robert Bortuzzo. So, uh, doesn't look like at least right off the bat that Dunn's going to get those you know top four minutes that a lot of Blues fans have been looking for. But shout out to Luke Whitman. He called Vince Dunn and Robert Bortuzzo being uh, on the same pairing uh, with the idea that Bortuzzo can maybe uh, help you know a little bit more on his own end. Um, than perhaps say a Justin Falk so uh, what do you think about uh, these pairings uh, starting out here
2: I mean I think with the fact that you only have a two-week training camp you're not gonna have preseason games you kind of have to go with what you know yeah Uh, and right now that's what it is and you know guy the Hawaii Blues fan had Darren Pang on his show last week and talked about this exact thing and how you may actually see a lot of changes to the defensive pairing. You may, you may see Krug and Falk playing together because they played at the you know at World Championships before. So just like we talk about the forwards and how Berube will probably change that a million times between now and when you're listening to this, I would not anticipate the defense being the same way where you may not see game in and game out the same three sets of pairings. And I think Dunn will eventually work his way up and get some games where he's in the top four. Um, I think you'll see him play with Pareko in certain instances, especially against certain teams. And I think you're going to see a lot of more matchup play with what's going on right now in the league. So don't don't set this in stone as what you think this is your three pairings are going to be, because you also have to think you got Gunnarsson and Perunovic and Mikola that are going to need to filter into this as well. So expect to see a lot of different pairings throughout the next you know 56 games.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and it still wouldn't surprise me. Like, like I, I can tell these pairings are like the idealistic pairings based on what you know about these players going into the season. But, you know, if, if Dunn develops, if uh, Scandella kind of falters a little bit, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something like a Dunn and Pareco, and then you would have like a uh, Krug and Falk and Scandella and Bortuzzo, something like that. You know that Bruby's going to flex his lines a little bit and I'm sure Dunn will get his chance um, I do like the first comment though by uh, the uh, typical Blues fan there, Mike Finkelstein on Twitter. Honestly, just put Dunn and Falk together easier for the fan base when the whipping boys are on the ice together. And for the love of God, get Vince Dunn more ice time. So um, you got you gotta love that. Like that that guy sounds like an old school like five ninety the fan caller. You know, calling Kevin Slayton. You know, with that just this typical St. Louis cynicism. You gotta uh-huh. love it.
2: All you got to do is throw up Jay Fresh's, you know, slide of Vince Dunn. And if that doesn't tell you and prove to you that that's a bogus comment, then <laughs> I don't think anything else will. Because we we talked with Jay Fresh about that. He's never really gone up against these top pairing guys. No. And he, he doesn't track to do well against him. Yes, he's got a lot of high offensive upside but his defense is never going to be considered elite. And, and honestly, I'm still not 100% sold on his offensive capabilities either because we talk many, many times about him putting shots into, into skates of defenders, especially when it's the last guy back. And Pareco's a guy that's over the years has progressed, every year gotten better at a certain aspect of his game. I look at Vince Dunn, and yes, he's gotten a lot of really, really good moments, But in certain instances, he has not progressed year over a year. And that's the thing I'm worried about. Now, if he goes out there this year and just starts putting stuff on net like crazy and his defensive game ups itself, I'll I'll eat my words. But I haven't seen that yet, and that's my big worry.
1: Well, you need to give him, you know, the right exposure to see if he can handle that you know that and that's kind of the, the the rub with dunn is that he has not gotten you know a lot of that top four time now i personally just you know just because i enjoy watching you know train wrecks and chaos from time to time i do want to see dunn and falk together just for just to see what happens because that to me is the chaos pairing of the st louis blues because they both have offensive chops um, and they might very well be, you know, a power play, you know, tandem, you know, going forward. But on five on five, trying to watch Vince Dunn and Justin Falk play defense, um, the the phone lines at five ninety and one hundred one ESPN will blow up because of the antics that will surely ensue. Uh,
2: yes, yes, that's and, scary. And you got Cam Jansen over there at five ninety, so I'm I'm sure he'll <laughs> take all those calls. Absolutely absolutely all right well we've
1: kept our uh of our friends from the quack report w- waiting let's go ahead and bring them in here after we tell you about one of our uh, great hockey podcast network podcasts
2: I'm Corey Francshaw I'm Richie Suave Flores and this is sporty with Corey and Richie Suave
3: on the hockey podcast network
2: what? did I just listen to?
3: Oh, this game. this game. is. This game is just bullshit now.
2: Oh my gosh. I actually, they actually made me feel uncomfortable. What was it? Panty what?
3: The game has gone to bullshit. Panty melted? Why do we record these during the middle of games? Oh, God. Be sure to listen to Corey and I every Monday. We are your go-to source for the Arizona Coyotes on the Hockey Podcast Network.
0: It's the Blue Notes Face-Off of the Week!
1: And that beautiful NHL 94 music means it is time once again for our Blue Notes face off of the week. And this time we are joined by the co-hosts of the Quack Report on the Hockey Podcast Network covering all things Anaheim Ducks, Carter Potts and Nate Thomas. How's it going, guys?
4: Doing pretty, pretty good. good. How
1: about you guys? You know, we're we're doing all right. We're getting over losing our AHL affiliate again, uh, coming to terms with that. Um, it's it just it's one bad relationship after another. It just you know, but you just you pick up the pieces and you move on. Um, but I'm very excited for this interview. I even prepared for it by. Uh, yeah. you know, bringing yeah, out Mister yeah, Wild nice. Wing. Um, which by the way, I was glad to hook one of you guys up with my uh with my dealer. I'm at my jersey seller um uh, <laughs> for the Wild Wings. So oh, come on,
4: that's what they are—is dealer. Like, they're essentially drug dealers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He really is. You know, like, you know, like we... take a look all behind me. These they they are drug dealers. So like. <laughs> look, yeah, you, guys are drug dealers.
1: you shop at cool hockey you shop at the at the team store but when you have a guy on reddit that you private message you know for your hookup that at that <laughs> point crosses over into dealer territory okay and ben h sports yeah. is my dealer you know <laughs> so so make sure make it make sure to be nice to him he's he's the guy the guy is slinging jerseys all day long it's it's crazy i was yeah. so
4: close to getting the jersey but unfortunately i got reminded that uh, it's my birthday this month, so
1: maybe I getting
3: anything. So, mm.
4: but
1: <laughs> might, be, need-
3: might be surprised in a few weeks there. Yeah, so maybe.
1: Need, <laughs> need 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 uh, to you know let your family, one of your family members, just slip by. Oh, by the way, there's this guy named Ben H Sports on uh, Reddit. He sells jerseys really <laughs> cheap, and it's my birthday.
4: Uh, well, just, Carter, there you go. There's a guy called Ben H sports on Reddit. and uh, told him
1: birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Tell, tell him, Tom from St. Louis sent you. Yeah. <laughs> all righty guys. Well, first of all, you're ducks fans, but you're also, you both are from Lethbridge, Alberta, which is about two hours South of Calgary and actually not too far from the U S border. So how did you two come to be ducks fans?
3: Um, it was yeah, kind of an record. interesting story, actually. So we we started our own podcast a year ago, just, you know, random general hockey talk and had some beers and just hanging out just for something to do and something for fun. And the, the host of the network, Isha and Dylan, reached out to us on Twitter a couple episodes in and they were like, hey, we're looking for people to host uh, this Ducks podcast and you guys have like great chemistry. You want to join? And we were like well we don't like the ducks and they were like well (laughs) well that's okay like we we have lots of hosts that uh that aren't really fans of their team but they they grow to like them and do a good job and we're like okay but but we don't really like the ducks so uh, eventually we we hemmed and hawed and we uh we started hosting it and um i'm an oilers fan as you can oops wrong side as you can see by the nudes jersey here yeah nate's a flames fan so bit of a bad blood there between between us and the ducks but we we kind of grew to love them and you know there hasn't been too bitter of a rivalry between those teams in the last couple of years so yeah, we we kind of just uh, grew with the team and appreciated them for what they did and then eventually bought jerseys for ourselves. And now we're we're Ducks fans. <laughs>
4: I, yeah, I, I, I'm not even looking for my third jersey right now. I have the orange alternate and I did get my hands on uh, an original like Mighty
1: Ducks jersey. So Ooh. Ooh, nice. But, you probably paid yeah. a pretty penny for that, too, because those aren't, you know, very out there on the wild
4: actually it wasn't too bad it was like 60 really
1: Canadian, I think so it's maybe like what five mm.
4: American or something like that so, that's not
1: bad and it's in like pretty good condition I'm not gonna lie so I know because I know if you want the original wild wing the one that's green, well, those are price- you're oh, paying yeah. you're paying like 500 600 American minimum for them yeah. because they, they 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 were an abomination when they came out you know <laughs> and, and they're just but now that's like you know now it's been 20 years removed they're just they're 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 collectors items so you know idiots like me you know pay up the You know, wazoo for the few that are still out there. It's just crazy. By by the way, Wags, um, you know, uh, which one one of us is the Blackhawks fan here so we can have the same dichotomy that uh, Nate and Carter have? I can't imagine imagine co-hosting a podcast with a Blackhawks fan. So Oilers and Flames, that's interesting. Well, I'll
2: I'll put it this way. It's probably going to be me because I like the Blues reverse retro jersey and it features the red. So I guess I'm going to be pigeonholed as being the Blackhawks fan.
1: You also dated a a Chicago Blackhawks fan, fan for a while. I did did so
2: yeah, yeah unfortunately i probably will be the hawks guy <laughs> he's, got,
1: he's got the dark side in him already it's it's, it's terrible it was interesting on our uh,
4: on our first show that we started too because we had a third guy for a little bit and he was a colorado fan so mm-hmm. it was like a three-way rivalry between all of us so those episodes got pretty heated when our team played <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: Oh, crazy, crazy. Well, you're talking about your teams. Uh, The Ducks, they're not far removed from having good seasons. 2017-18, Ducks had 101 points and were second in the division. Then they dropped to 80 and 67 points, respectively. Uh, From what you guys have seen, what is probably the main reason for the drop-off in those recent years?
4: Um, I can answer, I guess, this first. Uh, I honestly just want to say age and just trying to – catch up now with the NHL as it's being played. It's a lot younger. It's a lot faster. It's a lot more skillful. Um, I think, uh, I think our GM has been definitely moving the team in that direction. And, uh, and it wasn't kind of a too late type thing. Like, cause we were able to keep up until what was it? Tw- yeah. 2017, 2018. Um, but yeah, I think it was just age. Right. So, and they saw that coming right away with the buyout of Corey Perry um you know Ryan Getzlaf is on the last year of his deal coming up here so we'll kind of see what happens there but he can at least still play i can, i see him seeing uh second line minutes this coming season um but yeah i think it was really just age that kind of got up to us so which i mean that's not a bad way to you know have to go into a rebuild it's just because you had uh you know guys who made you successful so
1: yeah, that definitely makes sense and you know, despite the struggles that the Ducks have had in recent years, as we talked about before we started recording, the Ducks have actually played the Blues pretty tough. Uh the Blues have a 5 and 4 record and they have a 28 to 23 goal differential, so the games have been generally close. Um does having the Avalanche and the Blues though, not just in your division, but on the schedule eight times a piece give you any jitters?
3: I'd say a little bit. Yeah, it's uh uh I think our big problem last year was consistency with the team. We would, I think we would like really improve our game against some of the tougher rivals like Vegas and against other teams like the California teams. We I think we'd really play down to them. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I think our team has potential to play, uh, you know, a couple good games. If say you have a back to back against Vegas and then Colorado or something like that and you know, likely might get one of those two games. But I think it, now that we're seeing some tougher teams more, I think fatigue will start to set in. And uh, especially some of our young guys will start to make those rookie mistakes more often. So it'll be good experience for them. And, uh, you know, in a few years, we might look back and be like, you know what, this might be a good thing. But I think it, in the present, it's, it's going to really take a toll on some of the young guys.
2: Yeah, and before we sat down to talk to you guys, uh, we talked about how some of the West Coast start times for the Blues are being adjusted. So it's not... So late for us here in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some Blues games in Anaheim are going to start at 5 p.m. on weekdays, your time. Do you see that being a big deal for Anaheim fans?
4: Uh, I mean, maybe if you're thinking about like TV schedule or that, maybe not so much. Uh, you can kind of change it up a little bit i mean i think everybody's kind of routines and whatnot have changed throughout the whole pandemic so why not throw in one more curveball you gather the family around uh you know around the living room get some tv trays and i mean i know it's maybe not the healthiest thing but have supper and watch the game, right? Just make sure you don't knock over your food when you stand up to cheer. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's honestly, that's how my family did it growing up. You know, me and my dad, you know, we uh, there are there many times where, you know, he would get home, you know, around six, six 30 and whip up something really quick. And then by the time seven o'clock rolled around and the Cardinals game came on, you know, we would sit down with our trays and watch McGuire hit number 62. You know, I, I distinctly remember literally like the moment my TV tray hit the floor, in front of me, that's when Maguire hit number 62. You know, that just <laughs> ain't nothing wrong with TV trays. You know, it, 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 you're, you're still getting the family together for memories. So, yeah. um, speaking of memories, um, you you guys signed one of our former uh, favorites here in St. Louis, uh, Kevin Shattenkirk, this offseason. Pretty reasonable three year deal that pays him 3.9 per um do you guys feel that we saw the real Shattenkirk in Tampa the one that kind of resurrected his career a little bit or is there a concern that you're getting the Shattenkirk that flamed out in New York
3: um I mean that's a tough question it's it's really hard to say I think I I don't think he's going to be you know as good as he was in St. Louis especially you you know because he's older but I think he's going to have kind of that role same role as gets laugh that veteran presence in the dressing room and and I think that's kind of the big thing for having him around I don't expect him to be putting up you know 40 50 points in the season but I expect him to you know help out the young guys maybe get 20 points just be solid defensively um so I, I guess to more directly answer your question I think we'll see flashes of how he was in Tampa Bay but um but not quite uh not quite to that level, maybe.
1: Who do you see him being paired up with in Anaheim? Maybe Lindholm, Manson. In, in
3: training camp, he's been paired with Lindholm uh, for okay. the last few days. So, I, I would, and it sounds like that's going well. Um, he's he's compared Lindholm to kind of a younger Victor Hedman, so that makes me really excited for that. Um, so, I think there's some good chemistry there, and I think that's at least what we'll we'll see at the beginning of the season.
2: It's it's kind of funny hearing the words Kevin Shattenkirk and solid defense. So that that's a little <laughs> crazy for us here in St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was a bit of a, I
4: mean, the longest was time knew here. Weird. For the longest time, it was weird hearing St. Louis Blues and Stanley Cup champion, So I mean, things change. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we yes, I mean, were trying to be cordial. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, no, no. I'm i yes, not sir. saying that as an insult or <laughs> I, look, but, like, I didn't take, did take that long without a Stanley Cup, right? Like it, it does just. It's a little bit different to say. and,
1: it, and you go and you go along as a fan of a team that doesn't have a Stanley Cup, and yeah, it was weird for us too. So you know,
2: I, I didn't, I didn't take it as a shot. I still feel I still feel weird saying it because it's never been part of the lexicon of St. Louis sports talk. It's always been what you know the Blues did, what to lose again. So yeah, I, I totally understand it. Uh, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about uh, the strengths of the Ducks coming in this year. What what is Anaheim's biggest strength heading into this season?
4: Uh, I want to say right away, it's goaltending, and that was the biggest strength last year. Also, uh, you like Carter talked about uh, our consistency last year. That was the one consistent every single game, whether it was John Gibson or Ryan Miller in net. You knew you had you had a shot at winning with either one of those guys in net. It was whatever the other uh, forwards and defensemen really did that would get you a win or not. So.
3: Yeah, I agree one hundred percent.
1: Yeah, that's fair. And and I think a lot of fans that maybe not even be too in tune with Anaheim, you know, can think, Oh yeah, they have John Gibson, so they're they're okay, at least in that regard. And then St. Louisans won't say you're okay with Ryan Miller because he kind of burned us when he was when we got him from Buffalo. And he was the goalie who shall not be named for me for a very long time for a for very reason. He just ugh I I've recovered. Um, so, 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 if your strength is that is in net, what's your biggest weakness?
3: Um, I would just say putting pucks in the back of the net. We we don't really have that bona fide number one uh, goal scorer or or point scorer, um, and that that was one of our big things last year. Is you know our, our top guy had you know, 40 points near the end of the season or or 50 points. So not bad, but also not great. Like, you know, some of those teams where they have one or two players that are up in the, the 80s. So I, I think we just need to find or develop that that number one shooter or just someone that puts more pucks on net.
4: I mean, like, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword almost in a way where, like, we would like to have that main guy to go for for the offense, right? But at the same time, it's nice that, the points were so kind of almost evenly distributed across the team. Right. So it showed that it was a real team, I guess. Mm -hmm. But yeah, definitely would like to, you know, obviously see more points come from uh, as many players
2: as possible. Well, and I guess in that same vein, then who is the breakout player that fans should be looking for? Obviously you got guys like Milano and Raquel and Silverberg, but is there one person on this team that you're, you're going to be looking at as being the breakout star?
4: I'm really excited personally to see Sonny Milano just off of mm-hmm. the few games that we had from him last year before the pause. Uh, he and Ryan Getzlaff especially, and we talked about this on uh, our m- most recent episode as well. Uh, I'm not sure what it is exactly, but they just picked up chemistry right away. And it did kind of surprise me being like Ryan Getzlaff, an older player and Milano, a younger player, if you want to call him that. Um, but yeah, just the way that it worked out, seemingly right away um so I'm interested to see more uh mulatto with Getzlaff but mulatto in general
3: yeah and I'd say Trevor Zeegrass as kind of like a I don't I don't want to say sleeper but you know kind of more of a hot take I guess uh for for making the team this year I I mean he's been awesome in in the world juniors for team USA so I'd really like to see him at least get a shot um, and get his seven games in for the team and, and hopefully he can get you know most of a season in and you know, get some experience in the NHL. So,
1: yeah, good choices there. But we're disappointed that you didn't say David Backus was going to be the the breakout star. <laughs> you know, I mean, the 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 what is he like, thirty eight, thirty nine now? We yeah. still we still like we still like Backus here in St. Louis. I mean, he's I guess he's going to be a fourth liner. You know, maybe a taxi squad guy for you guys this year.
4: Yeah, I'd probably say that. So,
2: yeah, yep. No, I I don't doubt that. We we got a couple yeah. of those here in St. Louis as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, they're <laughs> retired. Yeah, yeah, one of them did just retire, Steen. I mean, uh, uh, haven't looked at that uh, Western Division. W- we made our picks earlier this week on what, how we thought it was going to shake out. Uh, we had Anaheim somewhere in that fourth through sixth place mix. And really, how do you guys see the entire Western Division playing out, and where do you guys see Anaheim falling?
3: Um, I think that four to six range is is pretty reasonable. Um, probably more so the sixth than the four, but um, you, you never know; anything can happen uh, throughout an NHL season. So. I kind of think of it in as two groups. You know, you got the Vegas, uh, Colorado, St. Louis, and um, oh, who's the other one I'm missing?
1: Uh, Arizona.
3: Uh, I was thinking Minnesota. So I guess Ah, those ah. those three. I I guess those three, and then the other ones, the California teams plus Arizona, kind of, and I guess Minnesota being in the kind of that in between one. So those are my three groups. Um, So I'd say I guess probably more five to seven is where Anaheim would be, and it's really tough to say.
4: I feel pretty confident in saying that four to six range as well, uh, but I think it's more dependent on not necessarily the Ducks themselves, but Minnesota and Arizona specifically. Like, I mean, there's always the joke of, you know, the Minnesota mild, and that's what they've been forever. <laughs> they've always been that middle team. They they can be, they can be, all right, all right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's not Boring. a whole lot going on. Um, so, I mean, if Anaheim gets a jump on them, they could easily be above them. And I think the biggest issue for Arizona, and it has been for the last two seasons, has been them staying healthy. If they're healthy, they can play up to the level of St. Louis, Colorado, and Vegas, absolutely. But, you know, if they get bogged by injuries, and especially in a shortened season, that's really going to hurt them and put them lower than they should be, probably, so...
1: Yeah, Arizona seems to be the the real wild card team of this group. I mean, uh, the Vegas guys had them all in dead had Arizona in dead last. Although I think that was partly trolling on their on their part. Uh, <laughs> a little bit of a desert rivalry going on there. We had them in fourth. Myself, Wags, uh, the Hawaii Blues fan, and Luke Whitman, who does our intro music. We all think that Arizona has what it takes to be fourth. Um, But you know, so. And there's, there is a consensus, and as you kind of mentioned, that the top three might be some order of Colorado, St. Louis, and Vegas. You can flip them around, and that seems to be the consensus. The fourth place spot, you know, it, it seems to be one that kind of comes up for debate. You know, again, Arizona's kind of a wild card. Um, is Talbot going to be, you know, worth a darn in Minnesota? Is he going to help propel them, you know, any more than? You know Dubnik did. I don't. I don't think so either. Wags, I really don't. Um, and in fact, I think I overrated Minnesota in my ratings. I'm regretting that. But let's just say it's the 56 games have been played, and it's Anaheim in that fourth spot and going to the playoffs. Tell me how that happens. If you know, just just give your fans some hope. How how will Anaheim secure that fourth playoff spot?
4: Um, Uh goaltending has to stay consistent as it was last year, 100%. Um, and I mean, we kind of touched on it earlier, but we need some actual, I mean, obviously the game is who can put the more, like more pucks in the net, but if we can finally figure out that and our special teams, especially, uh, because that was just, that was another inconsistency. They would have uh, some great games, especially later on in the season. But early on, it was just not happening, both for the penalty kill and the power play.
3: Yeah, I, I'm basically just going to echo what you say, and and just say consistency is the big one. Um, I, I have no no problem with our goaltending. I think that's going to be consistent. It's just if everyone else on the roster can can be consistent you know i'm going to contradict myself from what i said earlier i don't think we're going to have that 80 point guy that's going to like physically drag us up to uh that fourth place spot but i think if you know we can get six or six to eight guys that put up you know 50 points in in the season that'll be enough to get us into that fourth
4: spot i think the easiest way to sum up our inconsistencies last year was we could hang with guys like st louis but we will get shut out by Corey Schneider two games into the <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> That was a rough episode, let me tell you.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and, it, and it's interesting. I recently – I write for Last Word on Hockey, and I recently did kind of a breakdown of the teams in the West and teams in the Central and how the Blues have fared against them over the past three years. And it was interesting that the Blues really play up to, like, the Vegases and the Colorados of, of the league against the best the Blues play well, against the worst the Blues play well. Like So basically, like, you know, they I think they – Completely own Los, Los Angeles at this point, um, which is actually weird to say because for a long time it was the other way around. But it's that like, <laughs> but it's that like middle that, all, that that the Blues have issues with. Like you know they 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 tend to play down the teams kind of as as you mentioned, and uh, sometimes they take the their foot off the gas pedal. Like for instance, our bogey team in the West, the team that we're probably waxed, and you can confirm this, that we're most scared of is Arizona. Because Arizona owns our asses, and I don't know why.
2: Well, they're I the really only don't. them in Nashville. I mean, when you did your yeah. comparisons, the, them they in Nashville were the only teams that we had negative goal differentials against, and yeah. it's because they play the same style as the Blues in a sense. And whenever you're going up against a team that mirrors your style, there's going to be a struggle, and the Blues just can't seem to get over that hump.
1: Yeah, definitely, and it's it's, it's it's an interesting problem to have. But by the way, Wags, you mentioned our rivals, Nashville. Um, we're going to give you guys, Nate and Carter, a chance to talk some smack to any THPN podcast right here, right now. <laughs> Who are your rivals in Anaheim? Lay it out there for us. This is your floor.
4: I'm probably never going to get invited onto the show again, but I'm going to go with San Jose and the Stick Hungry Boys.
3: <laughs> Good choice. Yeah, I was going to say the uh, the L.A. Kings, so I guess we're just bashing on the rest of California here. <laughs>
1: so, so, so it really is a three way triangle of hate in California. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Very interesting. Well, uh, Carter, Nate, uh, where can we find you guys on Twitter or on on social media anywhere?
3: Well, you can follow our show, the Quack Report, at Quack Report Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Um, we also live stream our episodes every Sunday, which you can catch on the Hockey Podcast Network's YouTube and Facebook page. Uh, And then you can follow myself at Carter underscore Potts, P-O-T-T-S, underscore 97. If you're watching the video, it's just in the lower left corner of my video here.
4: Gotcha. And if uh, if you want to find me on social media as well, you can find me on Twitter at Tate Nomas. That's T-A-T-E-N-H-O-M-A-S.
1: All right. Very good. The Quack Report representing the Anaheim Ducks, a team that the Blues will be facing eight times this season. Uh, Looking forward to that. And uh, any final
2: thoughts, Wags? No, just a great conversation. It's great to meet the the rivals in a sense, especially from the Western side of the country, because we're used to the Central. And now that we're in the West, it's it's nice to get to know the people that are going to be covering those teams as well. Yeah, and, and we're getting to know
1: our friends at Ve- in, with Vegas nightly weekly nightly uh, a little bit more because they love to remind us that they signed Alex Petrangelo this off season, <laughs> um, and yeah, they're gonna they're gonna rub it in our faces any time they can. As who's well. got
2: a cup? Who's got a cup?
1: Yeah, we got that cup. We we, we we not only did we go to the dance, we finished the dance. So Vegas can't say that at the moment, and half their team's probably gonna be traded away to accommodate Petrangelo. So you know what. Hell, yeah, I mean, we're, yeah, we're, we're wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It, it's just such a weird situation there. And uh, they probably won't be on our show anytime soon either. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we're going around meeting our new neighbors in the West. Uh, they might be last if we get them on at all at this point. So, <laughs> all righty, guys, that'll do it for us here at Blue Notes. We want to thank you for listening and watching because without you, there is no me, there is no WAX, there is no Quack Report, and there is no Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Tom Franklin reminding you to not be a chump and always play to the whistle.
0: A reminder that you can follow blue notes on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at blue notes pod. I'm the voice of the blues, Tom Calhoun, Jeremy Boyer, play us out.
1: Or listening to the hockey podcast network your home for hockey talk covering every team in the nhl new episodes every monday download at the hockey podcast or wherever you get your podcasts from